Good morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. And I want to teach on the Word of God this morning. And you pray that we'll get a good CD and uh, to get to people that they can understand what the Word of God is and what the Word of God is for and how we got the Word of God and why do we use the Bible we use and not some of the others. Things that uh, we don't hear much and of course most of uh, Christendom today has gotten away from the King James Bible because they want something a little easier to understand uh, and uh, God help us. You know, some of these translations are, are pretty good, but they're not perfect. And we believe, of course, we have the perfect Word of God uh, in our King James Bible. But uh, we're not driving or forcing anything down anybody's throat. You know, just trying to give folks something to think about. And uh, uh, maybe if they're using some other translation or... Uh, some that's not a, or paraphrase Bible, that they might take the King James and read it next to it and see if there's any difference and then find out what the difference uh, is. Second Timothy chapter 3, and I'll begin reading with verse number 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God. Our mission here, our little mission church, is governed according to the Word of God. I think that makes us a lot different than a lot of other churches or denominations. We use the Bible. We look to it for our guidance, for our discipline, for our instruction, for our hope, and many, many other things. The Bible is a book like no other. It was written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors. These included kings and common men, great leaders, shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors, just to name a few who put this Bible together. It is the only book that deals with all of life without a single contradiction in it. Somebody said, well, the Bible's full of contradictions. And old Dr. Seitler said, well, I've been studying it for 70 years and I ain't found one yet. 
and old Doc knew what he was talking about. There's no contradictions in our Bible. There's some things that might seem to be a contradiction, but as you study and, and understand it, you realize that it's not. The Bible has faced great opposition, hatred, and countless attempts to destroy it, but it still remains. No book has changed lives like the Bible has. None. Our text is wonderful passage. We used it on Mother's Day, I think, and it's a wonderful passage, and it reveal, reveals much about the Bible itself, and we want to look at that. I want to examine the unchanging facts concerning the Bible as we consider this thought, the Word of God, the Word of God. I'll give you a few things this morning, and and I hope this will be a blessing to you and teach you something. And I hope if you have someone that has questions about the inspiration or infallibility of the Word of God, you'll give them one of these CDs. First notice the purpose of the Scripture. The purpose of the Scripture in verse 14 and 15. In these verses, we discover the purpose of the Bible. We have been afforded the privilege of possessing the Word of God, and the Word of God has a purpose. Well, there are so many people that would do anything to get a Bible, die just having one if they get caught. God had a plan in mind when he ordained the inspiration and the recording of his words. We find it was given for revelation the purpose of the word of God. Revelation, verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Paul urged Timothy to continue in the word, knowing whom he had learned. He had studied the word of God, and through that study he had been introduced to the true and the living God. He had been pointed to the cross of Calvary, to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the word of God, God revealed himself to Timothy. Boy, I pray that a lot for a lot of people. God, reveal yourself to them, that they might want to come to you, that they might give their life to you. Through the word, God revealed himself to Timothy. For many, the Bible is just a centerpiece on the coffee table. It's just a place to keep birth records, marriages, deaths, a place to keep the family heirlooms. That's all it is to them. God's word is far more than a book just that needs to be dusted every now and then. It needs to be opened and looked at. In it, we find the very heart and the mind of Almighty God. Within its pages, the sovereign nature of God is revealed. It is through the Bible that God is revealed to man. 
You're not going to find him anywhere else other than this Bible that the Spirit of God uses to prick the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. We have the privilege to know God through his revelation to us. God's word contains everything that he wants us to know about him. You want to know about God, you better get in this book to find it. Would you not agree that that alone makes this a special book? One to be cherished and loved because we know God more and more every day. We know what he's doing. We know what he's planning. We know what the future holds. Through the diligent study, we discover more of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you desire to know more of God and his will for your life? Do you? Seek him through the revelation, which is the Bible. The purpose of the scripture is revelation. But then second, the purpose of the scripture is salvation. It says in verse number 15, And that from a child thou hast learned the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Boy, you learned how to become a child of God out of this book. Here we discover another glorious purpose of the Bible. Paul reminds Timothy that it was the Bible that led him to Christ. It was the Bible that led him to salvation. It is through the word. He saw himself in need of salvation that Christ alone could give him. What a wonderful book. We must understand and appreciate the fact that God has given us his word to reveal the separation caused by sin and the salvation that is offered through his son. We are separated from God. We are enemies of God until we give our lives to him and become one of his children. Were it not for the word bringing conviction to our hearts and allowing us to see our need of Christ, we would never have come saving, come to that saving faith in him. We would find that we are sinful creatures by nature and enmity with God, enemies of God. The Bible reveals man's inability to save himself and the realization that apart from God, we stand condemned, lost in sin, and destined for an eternity in a burning hell apart from God. It is the Bible that reveals to us what we truly are, sinners. That's what we are. This leads us into God's purpose. The salvation of man. That's what the Bible's about. The purpose is the salvation. He wants us to realize the need of salvation and, and receive salvation through the sacrifice of his son. God's purpose, the salvation of lost sinners, is revealed over and over and over again throughout the word of God.
the purpose of the Scripture. Revelation, salvation, and sanctification. It says in verse 14 and 15, in the text of these verses, we find a growing process in Timothy. How he began and how he grew and how he learned and how he grew. That's the process of sanctification. He was introduced to the Lord through the word as he continued to read it and hear it. The word, he realized his need for salvation by faith and, and what he had heard and read. He received Christ as the Savior and this began a process. A process of spiritual growth. Developing, maturing as a child of God. And that was brought about through the word. The Bible ought to be a vital part of our existence. And it's not in most lives. Once we're saved, we are secure in Christ. But there is much to learn. If we are to be the disciples, he would have us to be. We must seek instruction and, and spiritual purity that comes from the Bible. As we read and embrace the Word of God, allowing it to transform our lives, we experience the sanctification of God. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I can see that growth from season to season. And thank God I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm going to be just like him. You will never be all that Christ desires of you if your life is not lived according to the word of God, his word. We must submit our lives to God's will that's revealed through his word that will lead to a sanctified life. We'll become more and more like Christ the more we read and study his book. The purpose of the scriptures, but then the person of the scriptures. The person of the scriptures, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible has much to say about the lives of individual people. We find the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great leaders, Moses and, and Joshua and Samuel and David. We find great prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel the great New Testament preachers. We find them there, Peter and Paul and Silas. We find great women. There was Hannah and Ruth and Mary and Martha and many, many other heroes of the faith. But they're not the focus of the Bible. They're not the focus. Thank God they're there. Thank God they taught us something. Thank God we learned from them as God directed. They all point to the Redeemer of men's souls. Every one of them. They're pointing to him, the Messiah. 
Jesus is the focus of the Bible. He's the main character. We find in the garden in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head and, and shalt thou and, and shalt bruise his heel. And then he's found in the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It says in Revelation 22, 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The Bible begins with prophecy of the coming Messiah and it ends with the prophecy of the returning Savior. Hang on to that if you can. Begins talking about the coming Messiah. I mean, the beginning of the Messiah coming and then the Lord coming again. What a blessing. It is written about him. That's what this book is. There are over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus in the Bible. It is written about him. It is no ordinary book. It is the him book. H-I-M. It's about him. The Bible was given to reveal and exalt Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, Redeemer, Redeemer and Savior of the world. Well, that's wonderful. Are you listening to me? Boy, I hope you hear me today. The purpose of the Scriptures, the person of the Scriptures, and the perfection of the Scriptures. It says in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here Paul reveals a fundamental truth that many have a hard time accepting. It speaks of the perfect uh, perfection of the scriptures. It's perfect. It's a perfect book. There are a couple of areas that we need to consider this morning as we look at this. First, the inspiration. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. Not some of it, or even most of it. It is given by inspiration of God. The literally meaning means it's God-breathed. This is the breath of God that we have in our hands. God gave his word as it pleased him through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We do not possess a portion 
of God's Word. We do not have a book that contains God's Word. We have the God-breathed, infallible, eternal Word of Almighty God. All of it. I don't care these Pentecostals and others try and update and change the Word of God. God told me what God had to say, He's already said. He ain't telling you nothing. Oh, wait a minute, God. <laughs> I've heard him say that. God's talking to him, but they have to say something. Say, they tell him to wait. Hey, man, I worry about somebody that's hearing voices. God speaks to me all the time. Speaks to my heart from this book. He doesn't say anything to me that doesn't come out of here. And I've never heard him audibly. But I've heard him loud and clear over and over and over again as he speaks to me from this book. If I didn't believe that, that I had this book, then I wouldn't have any authority to preach because I am a Bible preacher. If it's not in this book, I'm not too interested in it. If this book only contained God's word, how would anyone know what it was, what words God breathed and what wasn't. How would we know? God has preserved his word for our benefit. The psalmist said in Psalm 12, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I got it all right here. What a blessing. Some likely wonder why I, I'm so stuck on God's word. Why do I stand on it as I do? Very simply, it is the final authority. Without it, we, we would have no revelation of God and no means of salvation. We either have God's word or we don't. And I'm convinced we have it. While we're here, I, I, I want to address a few things very quickly. And I'm almost finished. I feel I need to talk about these things concerning a lot of translations that are on the market. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are just garbage. Some of them take the blood out. Some take the virgin birth out. Some take out uh, most of Mark's gospel. You know, there's a lot of things. I, I just want to talk about it briefly, and I'm not putting anybody down at all. I just hope you'll think. Each is different. And that often raises the question as to how we could possibly have the word of God with all these differences. We need to understand the basis of the translations. First, literal translation. This is a word for the word uh, translation care, carefully translated from the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic into English and has the same meaning. 
I think we've got a literal translation of the Word of God. If you'll look how it was written, I won't go into all that, that I don't have time. The literal translation and the dynamic equivalent. These translations take the main thoughts and phrases from the original text and translates those thoughts into a contemporary English phrase. Let me tell you something. Words don't mean the same thing now as they used to. Gay used to mean happy. It doesn't mean that anymore. Words have changed, but the Bible hasn't changed. We need to use the words God used in his word. Very important. These translations take the main thoughts and kind of mess them up a little bit. Then paraphrase. It's amazing how many churches use nothing but the living Bible. That's a paraphrase. It's not a Bible. It paraphrases. These are written in story form and <clears throat> place emphasis on clarity and ease of reading rather than on what the text originally said. They make for good reading, but not for truth. Now, if we're talking about an ordinarily book, it would, wouldn't make much difference, wouldn't matter much. But we're not talking about an ordinary book. We're talking about the Word of God, the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Doesn't need to be changed, superseded, or updated. It needs to be read and learned and prayed over. I'm not interested in what someone thought the Lord meant. I'm interested in what he actually said. If God said it, I want to know. I don't care what people believe, and we've had arguments about things. Even good preachers I know and love dearly completely miss the prodigal son, for one thing. That's why I preach and teach the King James Bible. That's why I study it. It's good. The Bible, the perfection of the scriptures, the inspiration, then the instruction. All scripture is given by inspiration. Thank the Lord. The inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Paul revealed in verse 16, you see that. Paul reveals that the Bible holds great value for our daily instruction. You want to know what to do? You want to know how to live? The Bible's there for that reason. It's profitable for doctrine, the sole authority of what we believe and why we believe it. It's important for reproof. That means it brings conviction of sin for correction, that's restoration to an upright state to, to get, get right again. That's what preaching does. Man, we hear that and God I'd hit our heart and say, man, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to change my life. Then it's good for instruction and in righteousness. Dealing with our daily lives, teaching right from wrong, 
leading us in the way of God and his ways. The purpose of the scripture, the person of the scripture, the perfection of the scriptures, and the provision of the scriptures, last of all. The provision of the scriptures, John, uh, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We must keep in mind that Paul is speaking to Timothy, a preacher of the gospel. But every believer can benefit from the provision of the scripture. He speaks of Timothy's progression through maturity. That the man of God may be perfect. Now Paul's not insinuating that studying the Bible and applying its doctrines will lead to sinless perfection. <laughs> it's not going to make you where suddenly you just don't do nothing wrong but rather spiritual maturity. That's what he's talking about, that you'll grow, not that you'll be perfect. The word perfect has the idea of being complete, sufficient, entirely qualified, that the man of God may be perfect, may be qualified, is what he's talking about. If Timothy would give himself to the word of God, he would receive everything that he needed to be successful in his calling <coughs> and to endure and complete his ministry. Now this goes hand in hand with the sanctification we talked about earlier. As we spend time in God's word, it molds us and, and it matures us and it develops us. Thank the Lord for that bringing us closer to God as we mature in him. Many today lack spiritual maturity because they're not feeding on the Bible, the word of God. They're not feeding on it. And that's a shame. The provision of the scripture, progression through maturity, and then preparation in ministry. Preparation. It says, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Timothy had no need to look any farther than the word of God to find all that he needed to be equipped for the ministry. His personal study and meditation upon the word would completely equip him to fulfill his calling and reach others for Christ. What a blessing. All have not been called to preach. All have not been called to pastor. But all believers are called to be a witness. And you can't do that successfully without the word of God. We all have a work to do for our Lord. If we are to fully be prepared for that work, we cannot neglect the word of God. Through it, we find direction. We find strength. We find purpose. And a host of other valuable necessities for service. We get it here. If you desire to fulfill all that God has for you, you must be committed to the word of God. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have my Bible. 
I don't know how I could survive if I didn't have my Bible. It's so important. Let me conclude. I'm certainly thankful for the Bible. I'm amazed that God would reveal himself to us through his word. But I rejoice that he did. I'm so thankful. There is much in life that I am so unsure of. But the scriptures are not in that category. I'm sure of it. I am fully persuaded that we have the complete word of God without error. Through it we discover our depravity and our need of salvation. It is through the word of God that we see the gospel of Christ and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit we respond to God. God's word is precious. I hope you never lose sight of that fact. We are blessed to have the word and the ability to read and to learn it. One of the greatest things I ever did on the mission field was have a Bible printed in Lahu. Found an old Bible and a great revival took place uh, in China. And they had a Bible translated from the King James Bible into Lahu. And I got one of those Bibles. And I had it printed and passed it out in the mountains. And I was going up in the way mountains in a very poor village. I'd been there before. But I hadn't been there for a couple of years. And I came and all the people in the village gathered around. And the leader of the village said, go get your Bible. And they went and got the Bible that, that God let me have translated and took to those people. I cried 15 minutes when I saw those people coming out with their Bibles. What a blessing. We are blessed to have his word and the ability to read and learn of God. What does the word mean to you? What does it mean? When's the last time you picked it up and opened it up and read it? What does it mean to you? It's a good question this morning. Is it just an old archaic book filled with many stories that seem hard to believe? Or do you believe it to be the inspired word of God? Have you experienced conviction through the presentation of the gospel that are found within the pages of this wonderful book? Have you responded to the leading of the Spirit as, as he pointed you to Christ for salvation? If not, you need to come to him. Find someone. Talk to them about salvation. If you're not saved, why not? Why not? What is worth dying and going to hell for? What is worth living in this world which means nothing? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have joy and peace? 
knowing that you are a child of Almighty God, knowing that someday you'll be in heaven? If not Christ, who? If not now, when? If not heaven, where? Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again, but God can. God can. Let's pray, Brother David.